Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. It was forward uh, when I felt to preach on this. Exodus chapter 14 verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pehathroth, between Migdol and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. I want you to hear this morning that God told these people where to go. He told them, I want you to turn from the direction you're going and I want you to head in this direction. And it just happened to take them to the impassable Red Sea. Now, I'm not going to read to you the next few verses because it simply tells you that while they are making their camp, Pharaoh back in Egypt says, why are we letting these people go? Why are we allowing them to escape? They're our labour force. Not only that, they've taken all their flocks and all their herds. They've gone to all the Egyptians and asked them for jewellery. And miracle of miracles, all the Egyptians have given their precious uh, items of value to these fleeing slaves. They've given them. Can you imagine that? Taken off their diamond rings and their pearls taken all their alabaster and their objects of value and they've given it to these people who've simply said, we are going out into the wilderness to worship. Think about that kind of miracle and think about what that means when God says, I'm going to take the wealth of others, uh, of the wicked, and I'm going to put it in the house of the just. And these people have gone to all of that. And then Pharaoh has a change of mind and says, why should I let them go? Let's go after them and recapture them. And so the children of Israel have turned at the direction of God. I don't know why sometimes God's will leads me to a difficult place. Not every difficult place am I there because of the will of God. Some are by my own missteps. Some of them are by the missteps or the evil intent perhaps of others. But I do know that sometimes the will of God will take me to a place where I get to see a manifestation of His glory greater than I otherwise would have seen. And these people are hard up against the Red Sea and they've got the, the, the uh, Egyptians behind them. Let's go to verse 10. It says, But when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel, watch this, they lifted up their eyes and behold, they lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried, cried out to the Lord and they said then to Moses, they cried to God and when God didn't answer them straight away, they then go to God's man and say, we need an answer about this. Look what's going on around about us. Because there were no graves in Egypt, they don't come with a heart of request and a heart of faith. They come saying, this is your fault. We followed you and look where we are now. We listened to what you had to say. Look what's happened to us. Have you brought us here because there weren't enough graves in Egypt? So have you brought us out to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt? Hey, I told you this wasn't going to work. I knew this would happen. And look what's happening here. We're getting everything we told you. Let us alone that we 
might serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now Moses is a preacher and he begins to preach to the people. He starts saying to them, do not be afraid. He says, I want you to stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. Preachers are always very good at telling you what God will do. Hey, God will do this. Don't worry about it. God's got this. That's all true. But I want you to see in a minute what God says. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll see again no more. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. And you'd think that the Lord would applaud. You'd think that the Lord would say, great sermon, well done, great preaching. Yes, you've uncovered my plan. I'm ready. Instead of that, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Tell the children of Israel to get up and move. Tell the children of Israel, just keep going forward. Verse 10, I'll go back to it again. Because it says that when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold. I want you to hear very clearly this morning that there is a competition for your attention. There always is and there always will be. Advertisers, political parties, issues are literally spending billions and billions of dollars developing algorithms and all manner of stuff to get your attention. I know that I hear from time to time someone says to me and they, they mean it. They say, my phone is listening to me because I'll talk about something and the next minute ads will come up on my feed. Well, I'm not a, a tech person enough to be able to make a comment, but I do know that billions and billions of dollars are being spent to get your attention because your attention is the most valuable commodity on the planet at the moment. Getting your focus, getting your attention, hearing, uh, getting you to listen to a message. And God looks at these people who are headed forward into vision and they're going forward into everything God promised. That's why they are there. And God led them there. And all of a sudden, when they get to this crucial moment, they shift their attention from that. And, and understandably, their attention is captured by these people, the Egyptians that are coming after them. And the competition that goes on for your attention is so incredibly powerful. But we've got to make sure we don't let distractions take us on a detour from our destiny. We've got to make sure that we don't let the things that are happening around about us, those distractions, that failure, that disappointment, that unfairness at work, maybe a financial challenge or a health issue that's there and they're all real, but don't let distractions win the battle for your attention because we always move in the direction of whatever gets our attention. We will always move towards whatever gets our attention. Listen to me, if guilt and condemnation get your attention, you will move inexorably. You will move without meaning to. You will slowly move away from the righteousness of God and that which Christ has wrought for you and you will move to a position of your own works. I'm just laying this out for you because this is so practical. I'm not talking about some mind headspace here. If you allow guilt and condemnation to get your attention, you move away from the righteousness of God and you move to the, the place of, am I good enough? Will God hear me? 
And that thing, that fault, that flaw, I'm going to cover some of this next week, I believe, but uh, that, that mistake or whatever it is in your life, that thing there gets your attention and we always move in the direction of whatever gets our attention. If impossibility gets your attention, you begin to move into the direction of that thing and out of a place of faith. These people, understandably, have had their attention captured by this vast horde who are well-equipped in terms of their weaponry. They're well-equipped to be able to conquer them. They've come out with jewellery and it's pretty hard to kill your enemies with a pearl necklace. A diamond ring doesn't do you much good when you're facing overwhelming odds. And apart from all that, God took them to the Red Sea. Why didn't God take them somewhere where at least they had a chance to run? They could get away, but He doesn't. He takes them to a place where there is no other uh, hope other than Him. He takes them to a place where there's no answer apart from God. And Moses' idea for this is, well, let me tell you a good sermon. Let me preach to you a couple of points. And as good as sermons are, as good as messages from God are, as wonderful as it is to be in the place where the Word of God is preached, as powerful it is, sometimes there's no substitute for going forward. Here's the second thing. Don't wait to go forward. Don't wait to go forward. The children of Israel are not unwilling to go forward. They've proven that by leaving Egypt and going on the journey thus far. Obviously, they were willing. They followed Moses. And when the the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day, when it led them, And when it brought them out of where they were, they followed it. They stopped when it stopped. They moved when it moved. It's not that they're unwilling to go forward. I find overwhelmingly all of us, we want to follow God. It's just that we don't want to go forward when there's an impassable Red Sea in front of us and a hostile enemy behind us. What we want to do when we get in that place is we want to cry out help and ask for mummy. We want God to kind of come down and and shroud us and carry us off. We want God to pick us up and carry us. And instead of that, He says to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell them, go forward. And they're going like, what? How can I go forward? Have you not seen the Red Sea in front? Haven't you heard what the doctor said? Haven't you heard what the bank manager had to say about our business? What are you trying to tell me here? You know, over the last several months, there's been a lot of things that have been going on. And no, I don't just mean this church because we have some other roles and some other environments that uh, we get to be a part of. And, and, you know, some of them have been difficult and, and challenging and spaces and whatever. And, and you know, but I've I got to tell you, I, I think almost every day or at least several times every week when I look at it, my mind thinks about it, what, what about that? And I keep hearing the Holy Spirit say this to me, just go forward. Just go forward. Just go forward. Not go forward when things look better. Not go forward when there aren't any obstacles. Just go forward. Just go forward, Jeff. Just go forward. And I go, God, but what if I get out there and the Red Sea doesn't part? He says, just go forward. Because see, God didn't part the Red Sea before they moved. Amen. Ha. 
I don't about the rest of here. See, I want him to part it like while I'm still up in the hill looking. And I want, there, I want there to be a sidewalk. I want there to be a footpath. I want there to be trees either side. I want there to be beautiful music playing. I, I want, you know, all manner of, I want it just to look like that. And I just then walk through the middle of it all. But he doesn't do anything at all. He says, go forward. And without telling them what he's going to do and how it's going to work. Psalm 23, lots of you here know this psalm. Matter of fact, most people know this psalm. Psalm 23, you know how it goes. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was going to sing it to you this morning, but then I thought, really, you've been tortured enough. Uh, Why should I do that? But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for Thou art with me. Your rod and Your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But verse 4 comes out of nowhere. And verse 4, this scary, uncertain place. And who would not wish that they were not there? I looked up that word there in verse 4 where it says, Yea, though I walk through. Because sometimes people walk, but they're walking backwards. Sometimes people walk, but they're turned around there. That's what the children of Israel are doing. The, the children of Israel are saying, we're ready to go forward. We just want to go forward back to where we were. Huh? Now, don't look at me like that, because some of you might be married and you're going, I'd like to walk back to when I was single. <laughs> don't raise your hands. Don't look at anybody. I'm sure not here. No, you're all good. Some people are in a business venture and in their heart they go, I wish I'd never started. They want to walk all right, but they want to walk back before they had all this pressure, before it all landed on their desk. They want to go back to that. Some people, the Christian life, can I tell you there is a struggle in the Christian life? There's a struggle against sin. You never struggled against sin before you were a Christian. You just live with it. Matter of fact, you reveled in it. You loved it. You enjoyed it. That's why you did it. People don't sin because they go, oh, well, I guess I'm a sinner. I just will. No, we do it because we like it. Huh? And walking away from what you like is hard. Don't all shout me down because I'm preaching so well. But isn't this true? You know, the mere fact that you are struggling is proof of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. The mere fact that you go, I don't want to go back there. Jeff, I want to go on. I want to live a good life for God. I want to live a purposeful life. I want to be righteous in the sight of God. I want to live in a way that my behaviour matches my, my, my believing about who God is. And yet there's a struggle sometimes that goes on that keeps wanting to drag us back. Oh, I understand the children of Israel better than you think, wanting to go back there. But however, in Psalm 23, where it says, Yea, though I walk through, the word walk is a particular Hebrew word that literally means to walk forward. It doesn't just mean to walk. It doesn't mean one foot after another. It means that you have decided, I'm going that way. And even though my legs might be twitching and wanting me to turn around and maybe voices behind me are calling out, come back, come back. You know, we loved you, you know. Come and come back and join us. And even though those voices might be there, yet you have said, I'm going to walk forward. 
one step after another because the valley of the shadow of death won't last forever and there's nothing back there. They said, would that we'd gone back to Egypt and served them. We could have died there. Like, hello, what a life goal. What a life goal. We could have died in Egypt as slaves. Woo-hoo. God says, tell them to go forward. Why? Because there's nothing back there in your life that's got any value for you. There's nothing back there that's going to help you. Amen. You'll never overcome the wicked one by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your, I had a moment. You're not going to overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. And uh, well, you know, I thought I liked Jesus, but now it's got hard. So now I go back. You don't overcome him like that. You overcome the wicked one by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. A testimony is where you go through a test and you moan. But if you keep going through your test and your moan, you'll end up with a testimony that will defeat the devil in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning. You know you want to. Thank God for His righteousness. Thank God for His strength for our life. And if we keep going forward, up ahead's a prepared table and subdued enemies and an anointed head and overflowing abundance and goodness and mercy following me. So I don't want to let distractions make me go on a detour of my destiny. I want to not wait to go forward. I'm going to go forward now in Jesus' name. Come on, you've got to get this this morning. I don't preach fancy sermons. That ought to be fairly obvious. But I, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to grab the heart of some of you and say, come on, don't wait to go forward. Go now. Start now. Start now. Start saying, I'll read my Bible every day. Jeff, I don't understand it. Too bad, read it anyway. I went to school and learned maths and algebra. I didn't understand it. But matter of fact, I remember going to my maths teacher and saying, can you explain to me sine, cos and tan? And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I go, why? Why? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, son, I wasn't his son, but he said son. He said, just shut up and learn it. (laughs) I was wanting some deep existential understanding, some esoteric thing of this is what it's all about and the great work of the cosmos. And he just said, just go and learn it, will you? Can I say to you about reading your Bible and praying? Just shut up and learn it. Amen. If you'll forgive me for being that blunt. And I'm not preaching to anybody else except Jeff. Jeff, just shut up and learn it. Just go on the journey. Oh yeah, but God, can't you see the Red Sea? Hello? He goes, just move forward. Just keep going forward. Here's the third thing, last thing. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Matthew 14, I've covered this one lately a couple of times. Matthew 14. It's the story of the disciples having seen an amazing miracle of God and then Jesus says, get in the boat, go to the other side. I'll meet you over there. And then he goes up into a mountain to pray. And while they're out there in the boat, the sea comes up all topsy-turvy and it's violent and they're scared. They're worried about their life. And listen to this, it says, in the third watch of the night, oh, sorry, the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them. Do you know when the fourth watch of the night is? It's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. It's the darkest, the coldest, and it's the time that's the scariest. Have you ever woken up at 3 a.m. because you heard a noise? You wouldn't have bothered about the noise if it had been 6 p.m. Huh? 
But when you hear at 3 a.m., isn't it true? Everything just goes, you know, it's scarier at 3 a.m. And so when Jesus comes, why did Jesus wait till the fourth watch? Lord, couldn't you have come the moment the wind picked up? Huh? How many people here, be honest, I want Jesus to come when it's just a gentle breeze. Amen. I want Jesus to turn up then. I want Him to come when it's just like, heck, that's only a tiny problem. You know, I want to tackle an ordinary sized person, not a giant. I don't want Goliath. I want his kid brother. He's only six foot. I think I could take him. Huh? He's still in kindergarten, but that's all right. In Matthew 14, verse 28, Peter in the boat says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Verse 29, come. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Something was competing for Peter's attention. He gets out of the boat because he sees Jesus. I heard you, Lord. I know what you spoke to me. Come on here. Some of you Christians that have been Christians for a while, and you know that God called you. You know you're not here by accident. You know that like Ephesians 2 says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know that Jesus came to you. You remember that meeting that you were in or that place you were in. I remember being in a caravan down the back of Jim Hardington's home because I was kind of semi-homeless. They took me in out of pity and I lived in their caravan. And I remember hearing, because I'd met someone from this church that later on I became on staff of, and they were talking about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to me, and I'd never heard of it. And they said, we're going to pray for you on Tuesday night at our church prayer meeting. And I said, what time? They said, eight o'clock. So I made sure Tuesday night at eight o'clock, I was in the caravan all by myself. And I'm in the caravan at eight o'clock. I knelt down beside the caravan bed and I said, Jesus, I'm here. And out of nowhere, there was no one else there. There was no one who knew I was there. Nobody knew my location. And out in that place right there, the Holy Spirit came and I felt like it was like these circles of power and life and joy, and I don't know what else to say, kept going out of me like ripples. I did not even know the Bible verse that says, he that believes on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spoke he of the Spirit. I didn't even know the verse, but it happened for me. And it happened for me there in that place. And, and what a, the, that was the grace of God. It wasn't me. I couldn't have done anything for it. Come on, Christian. You remember being in that place. You remember how God touched your life. And you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus because there's, listen to me, there's other things competing for your attention. There's other things that want to grip you. There's things out there in the world. There's things happening in the church world. I thank God that I don't have the gossip gene in my life. I really am not interested. So I don't know what every other church is thinking about, doing about, who's doing what or wherever. Not interested. Why? Because I want to make sure I keep my eyes on Jesus and what He called me to do, what He's called this church to do, not worry about what everybody else is thinking the latest trend is. Amen? There was a competition for His attention. As long as He kept His eyes on Jesus, He was in miracle territory. And the moment He gave His attention to what's happening over there, what others might be saying and how He feels, the Bible says He began to sink. 
I keep hearing it so I know that it's not just for me. For months now, I've heard him just keep saying to me, just go forward. Just go forward. Let me pray with you right now because there's some of you here in this place and you know that the Holy Spirit has tasked me with giving you this as a word from Him for you today because that's what He's saying to you. Come on, just go forward. Yeah, your business, just go forward. Yeah, your family, just go forward. Yeah, but what about just go forward? When the children of Israel moved forward, The Red Sea parted and they walked across. The Bible says not even with wet feet. They walked across on dry ground. Only God could do that. Father, we thank You today in Jesus' Name. If that's You, just lift your hand. I'm not looking around, nobody else is. But you need to raise it to God just to say, God, I'm gonna go forward. God, I'm gonna go forward. God, I'm gonna go forward. I'm not gonna listen to all those other voices. The ones that say, I won't make it. The ones that say, no, you you, you just couldn't. I'm not going to listen to those voices. The voices that I hear saying the the future is too difficult. If you've got your hand raised, Father, thank You for those people, those online as well. Now, Lord Jesus, today, as we make that commitment to go forward, we make that commitment to say, Lord, I'm just going to wait until a good time. I'm going to move in this time. Thank You for it. In the mighty Name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Pastor Bruce is coming in a minute. to share with you some of the great things that are happening and will be happening. But just before he does that, let me talk to you for a moment. Because some of you heard me reference that verse in Ephesians 2. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Then it goes on and says, For we are His workmanship, We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love this because it tells me that God's dealt with my past through grace. And through grace, He's prepared a future that I get to walk in. All because of Jesus, created in Christ Jesus, not because of you. Are you unworthy? I've had people say to me, Jeff, I feel so unworthy. I always say that's because you are. I don't mean it to be cruel, but we fall into the trap in our world of acting like if we just try harder, we'll make it. Or if we just learn more, if we get more educated about psychology or something, nothing wrong with psychology. But we think that if I can somehow rather get to that, I'll, I'll make it. If I try that religion, there is only one religion on the planet that's got a Redeemer. There's only one religion on the planet that says it's not of works. There's only one religion on the planet that points you to a Saviour who can save, and that's Christianity. Jesus. 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 Someone said to me last week, he said, you know, I like this church because you speak about Jesus. I just said, well, who else is there? I want to pray for people here who have never made a commitment to follow Christ and you online as well. You can decide today, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. Just where you are right now, if that's you, would you, just where you sit, say this prayer just softly after me. Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me. I need You in my life. Please come in and save me 
Forgive me. Lead me into the future you have for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, and I know people will and have, we would love to help you and encourage you. Yes, text is our way of being with you no matter where you are, whether you're around the world somewhere or other or here in Perth. If you're in Australia and you'd like to get our help via that text, comes fits on one screen of the smartphone, you go to 0488 826 392. If you're outside of Australia or it's better for you to get it via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, we will send you the next day a Bible verse and a prayer. It's different every day. You get it for 30 days. There's no charge, no cost, no obligation, nothing. We want to bless you. Can we just give those people a big hand? And so well done. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. If you want to come, thank you.